Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, guys. And it's afternoon. I don't know how this day has gotten away from me. It's like it was just morning. Um... I've had my guests on before, so it is, um, it's not someone new, but you guys, she does have a um, new chapter to her story, so um, you know what, she's going to have to um, redo her book, um, she's going to have something new to add to it, um, yeah, she's gotten to meet her birth father, and um, while, you know, she did know he existed, um, she got to go and meet him. So um, I wanted to have her on and be able to tell you guys um, what her experience was. And, you know, for a lot of us, you know, out there, we don't know what we're going to find. We, you know, we cross our fingers and we hope that um, they're alive, um, that they want to meet us. Um, sometimes they you know, are reserved. Um, Sometimes, you know, we do face rejection, and that rejection is hard. And, again, that's why, you know, we at, you know, Indiana Adoptee Network, we do the the conferences because it isn't always the same, you know, ending. Um, It does provide us closure, but, um, you know, I'm – I'm thrilled and got to meet her birth father. So welcome, Anne. I want you to be able to tell your story. So thanks for coming on today. Hi, Pam. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I am so glad. So I, I want you to be able to tell. I mean, I know you, you know, you've known that, you know, he's been out there. And so what, how did this meeting get to take place? Um. So I did, when I was in New York writing my book, I did 23andMe just um, just to do it. I wasn't thinking that I would find my birth father because I didn't know anything about him and no one would talk about him. But I knew a couple of things about him, but right. no one would talk about him. And so then um, I ended up finding his brother through 23andMe and his brother yeah. told me um, who he was. Um, but then what happened was my um, birth father is married and his wife uh, didn't respond in, in a positive manner. She said to him that I was adopted by a good family and I had a family. And so he wasn't my family. And yeah. he, um, I learned this through I had minimal email contact with him I, I mostly talked with his brother who was the the perfect he he took me in he flew his brother flew me to Montana to meet his family his wife and his um, one of his children and his and my cousin's family so that was that was the that was the best part so that I could deal with 
the sort of rejection by my birth father because I, I, I'd experienced that with my birth mother. I knew that what was right. what was what was new and interesting was being treated like a, a wonderful addition to the family by his brother. So in some ways I just wanted to pretend that my uncle was my birth father. And, right. Uh, and just like I got it, right? I got to meet family. I got to feel it. Why couldn't he be my birth father? So yeah. I, I was I was pretty c- content with that. Um, I Every once in a while I would get super annoyed that my birth father was out there and that he would occasionally email me, but that he wouldn't meet me. And so I, I think I broke up with him three times. <laughs> what was he saying? What was he, he was, saying in the emails? I mean, what was the point of emails it, if he wasn't going to meet? You know, that's kind of annoying, right? Yeah, they were really brief, and it would just sort of be, um, you know, t- just little bits of information. Um, not, It's funny, I, I think I've kind of blacked them out because they, they were annoying. It's like if you're really, really hungry and someone's giving you a little tiny cracker, you don't focus right. on the cracker. You focus on how annoyed you are. Exactly. And I'd rather be completely dismissed than almost. You know, it's like being on a in a bad relationship with a boyfriend where um, he's going out with someone else, but every once in a while he he, he tells you you're pretty or something. Right. <laughs> but. Um, so the only power I, I had was to tell him I didn't want him in my life. You know, right. and so when I was right. in a bad mood or feeling vulnerable, I would use that power. And by right. some miracle, he was he withstood that. And the last time I did it, um, he, he, he wrote back and he said, you know, be, be patient. You know, this is um, – um, and then I, I didn't respond, I think. Actually, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I, I felt like I was done. I was just done. And then he wrote me an email and he said, would you be up for an adventure? He said, would you be up for me just planning something and then we'll do it? And um, I'm always up for an adventure. So I said, yes. And then he said, well, how about we go hiking in the Grand Canyon? And my friend joked, he's going to take you down there and kill you. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But, but but you know you have to get your laugh somewhere. So right, right. I You're think, like, okay, I, that's, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, fine. <laughs> kill me. That's that's perfect. <laughs> First you make me, and then you kill me. That's welcome to adoption. But, but, <laughs> right, right. We we uh, laugh at the the roughest things. <laughs> right, right. Uh, <laughs> you're right, and I and I was a little. I, I was. I I like. I like to I like to put myself in strange circumstances just to see what will happen and the idea of going hiking in the Grand Canyon with someone that I'd never met and I'm such an introvert that spending more than an hour with anybody is really painful for me so so that was going to be interesting right. but but you know anything for a good story so but then he wrote and he said how about instead of spending two days together, how about if I fly out to San Jose and I, we spend one full day and then I'll fly out the next morning. And, and that sounded good. Um, 
And so the week before he was going to come out here, I, I went through four stages. There was the week before or the time before where I really didn't think it was a big deal. Right. Sure. I thought that the big, I thought that the big deal was that I had found my birth father and he said that he'd meet me. And right. I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. I, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel excited or anything. I just felt kind of matter of fact. And then the day before he came, my body turned into a whole bunch of stars. I, I don't even know how else to say it. It was like a whole bunch of excited sharp parts rubbing together. And right. Pam, Cordo- Pam Cordano, who's a, a therapist and an adoptee, she told me that my body was changing on a molecular level. You know, I'm going from a person who had never met a, a creator to someone who had, and it, that's what it felt like. It felt like all the cells in my body were moving around, including the cells in my brain. It was the most, I mean, it's bigger than losing your virginity or getting into college or getting married or even, it was even, it it was different than when I was pregnant and I I was about to have Keats. It was, it was different. And again, here we are with language and adoption. There's no words to describe this feeling. Um, Right. And then, then there was actually seeing him, which was, um, it's it's sort of that moment after you've been slapped really hard and then you're just sitting there realizing yeah. you've been slapped really hard. And then the day after, I just wanted to take a shower. I felt like, yeah. you know, when you've been on a date and you've been maybe t- touched a little too much, like the, I just felt I, not dirty, but a little dirty. And yeah. I, I called I called my dad. Um, who had adopted my dad, who had adopted me. And I said, dad, I just want to tell you that you're my dad. And because I also felt guilty and I felt, I felt more connected to my family because I realized that I have history with them and I don't have history with my birth father. And so there was grief in, I think the popping of the fairy tale that, I, I wasn't a different person after meeting my birth father. I was just myself, and I was never going to have that magic change. And so I felt I felt sad. And that lasted for about three days, and then all of a sudden I got euphoric. And I realized that some of the things that I had seen in my birth father were m- me. And I, I think I didn't, my brain didn't know how to process it. And all of a sudden, it was okay to be me, like sort of gangly and and a little goofy and um, you know, kind of smart and and not smart at the same time. And what I I saw those things in him, and I thought they were they were wonderful, but now they were in me. And then I felt really good ever since. Um, his it was difficult for him because he had um, corresponded with me without telling his wife. Um, And then he told her, so she was upset and she was not happy with him meeting me, even though she helped him um, arrange the trip. And so he was feeling very guilty um, that he had hurt his wife uh, to meet me. And he was very concerned about this. You know, he kept saying, "I'm, I'm coming to see you every year. You know, but I just have to deal with what's at home. And 
well, I don't want to be a problem. So what I kept saying was, you know what, this is good. Like, I'm okay with what we have. You know, I don't, he would mention Thanksgiving and I, I'd say, I don't need Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. I, I have a family. Right. I mean, imagine if on, on Thanksgiving, all of a sudden there's another place I'm supposed to go. And I don't, I don't want to feel like a burden. I want to feel like a prize, right? Like, so I don't right. want him to feel obliged to see me because I don't like that. But um, the, the, the highlights of, I wrote a, a, um, a blog post about the hug, like when we first saw each other, because that's kind of, it's a, cra- it's a crazy moment the first time you hug um, right. a, a birth father. And um, what was so funny is my dad does this thing when he hugs me where he kind of bangs me on the back with his hand. And it's not my favorite thing, right? And so I was thinking, I'm going to hug my birth father. He's going to be this big bear of a man. He's going to smell like a man. And, and, I, and I hug him and he's like, just like hugging my dad. He starts banging me on the back. <laughs> like, oh my God. I, I went in this whole circle and I'm right back where I started. You know, like there's there's no escaping myself and my life. <laughs> but but um, there was this moment where when I was driving him at the end, he was he was very nervous. I think, and um, he was very very sweet, very excited. I drive a little convertible, and he doesn't really fit in it, so we had to have the top down the whole time. And um, he's just. He was darling. He was very uh, sweet about it. And I, we went to take a walk, and I said I had to go to the bathroom. And I, I said this bathroom's in kind of a creepy place. And he said, well, I'll stand outside, and I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll kick the, the daylights out of anyone that tries to hurt you. And then he looked kind of surprised, and he said, I, I don't know where these parental instincts are coming from. And then later in the day, I brought him to his hotel so he could drop his drop his bags off, and he came out just grinning. And he said, um, um, "They asked me if I needed a, um, a tag for my car." He said, "But I told them my daughter drove me." And f- for him to take such pleasure in using the word "daughter" was um, it, it was thrilling to see it. it. It's it's also a complicated feeling because. Um, I didn't get what I wanted ever, really, right? I mean, I had my parents who I loved very much, and I didn't. So I get to be people's daughters, but I have a birth father, I have a birth mother, I have a a parent who I say mom and dad, but other people say adoptive mom or dad, right? So I don't have a mom or dad that are 100% mine, um, so for someone else to get to say daughter and own the word in a way that I can't own the word dad is gives me um, feelings. Um, but the, the 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 I think the coolest there's two coolest moments I think one was when I was driving him to the airport to drop him off and he was wearing shorts and I looked over and his knee was exactly the same as my knee and oh, that weird. was really dis- yeah that was so disorienting. But it, I liked that. And the yeah, other was when I – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, keep going. Go ahead. 
Well, the, well, the other was when I when I had gone to pick him up at the hotel that morning, he was sitting in the lobby and his eyes were kind of closed and he was smiling and he was kind of flushed. And I said, "How are you?" And he said, "He said I am I am I am at peace." He said, "I woke up once in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom." And he said, "I and I was smiling." so much that my teeth were showing and he said I fell asleep that way and that's a good feeling that made me feel really happy yeah I I you know I miss that I mean I'm so like I'm so happy for people I mean I know it's rough on you and I know that you had that rough time and you know you you called your dad to tell him that you know he's your dad but even in all that roughness, I am so happy for you because, Thanks. you know, not getting that moment and not having that. I mean, I have it through my aunt, you know. Yeah. Every not, person should have it. Right, right. I mean, yeah. and and I mean, I have it, you know, vicariously through my aunt and, and the stories and you know, I imagine how, however it would have turned out, and, I, and I'm sure it probably turned out the way it was supposed to because um, mm-hmm. who knows how it would have been had he been here. You know, we can only hope that it would have been great, and it might have ended up awful. He might have, right. he might have blown this wonderful um, image clean out of the water, but um, I'm so thrilled that you got this because – it is great. I mean, and I think it like it brings it full circle, you know. Um and not everybody gets it like you said. I mean, you know, um the birth father could be deceased or you know, like you've had up until this point, it's been essentially it's been rejection up until this point. And that is mm-hmm. so I mean, it's it's hurtful and it I mean, and I think that that sort of probably hampered that meeting too. You know what I mean? It wasn't the oh, same sure. meeting you would have had had he said yes right away. Right. I wonder what the meeting would have been like if he would have been on board immediately and had his wife not said, you know, you had a good family, you know, He's not your family. I think how arrogant is that? You know? Yeah. What it's, right? It's a misunderstanding. Yeah, she doesn't understand. That's what the people who, the pe- any mm-hmm. person who gets in the way of of someone meeting a blood relative, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, a, it's a deep, deep misunderstanding right. of, of how important it is to connect with source. Um, right. Yeah, that's right. one of my missions is to get that out there. Of, right. You know, because there are so thing, many people that aren't, that are not touched by adoption that 100% get that. Right. That have no clue, that have never been around adoption, that right. get it, know it, and want it for us. Right, right. So you don't have to be touched by it. You don't have to be around it, and no. they want it for us. So no right. one has to say, 
No one has to say to it's us. Common, well, it's common sense. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So someone doesn't have to say to us, well, they don't know. They don't understand. Well, I can say to you, bullshit. <laughs> right. Bullshit. Right. Because right. Right. there are plenty of people that get it that are not touched by it. Right. So, um, I mean, I do you know, understand say- and I do agree that there are people that aren't educated but like you said, it's called common sense. It's called humanity. It's called caring. Um, yeah, and that's why I just I feel like one thing I've learned in the past year when I've thought so much about adoption is that I, I can't look to the outside world to make me feel better. I, I think secretly I was hoping that you know, if I met my birth mother, or I met my birth father, something would click in me and I would finally feel fully myself. And 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 one of the things that I felt after meeting my birth father was, thank God my birth mother is dead because I don't think I could go through this twice, which is right. not what I was expect not what I was expecting at all. And the sort of the heartbreak moment was realizing that no one is going to make me feel better about myself except for me. And I think that all my life I've been really um, reactive to my feelings. And mm-hmm. I, think my, I think my feelings mean something. So I felt hurt that my birth mother wouldn't meet me or I met. And I say birth mother because um, I know a lot of people say first, um, and, and I get it I'm just used to saying birth and and I never saw her and she never touched me so I can't help it I just say birth but I um I I think I'm trying to refocus myself and to think about what is it in in my life I was so focused on things will be okay once I meet my birth father or once I meet my birth mother and 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 how I felt and now I'm thinking, you know, as someone who suffers PTSD from from being adopted, I can't focus on my feelings so much because my feelings are, are sort of those of a crazy person. And so I'm, I'm trying to work with goals instead, you know. So like my right. main goals in life are to love myself and everybody else and to financially be be independent and to to help other people um, and to be a resource. And so that way, you know, when when I've met my birth father and I start having strange feelings, have to pay, I don't think, because before I would have responded to the feelings, right, and thought, uh-oh, you're in trouble now. Like you, you didn't mm-hmm. get what you wanted exactly. Or I want more of him, you know, or what does it mean that his wife, well, like all that stuff is crazy-making. And so I just want to take a break from my feelings for a while mm-hmm. and, and think, think more about what do I want to do with my life so, um, and, and feed myself that way. Do you know what I mean? Like what, what right. do you want to do with your life? What, like what's, what are your biggest like – when you're on your deathbed, well, what do you want to have accomplished? Well, I think, too, for me now, because my, my birth parents are gone. So yeah. Now, now the goals are different because, um, like you, I mean, it was to it was to meet them, and and there were there were all these these things set because of them, or or 
you know, to to be with them and to do things with them and and now they're not here, you know, and so much of that energy was spent and, well, energy was spent around my, my and like you, I say birth mom, because one, for us, it's it's our age, you know. It isn't meant to have disrespect or, you know, whatever, because that's what we were used to calling our birth. It's our birth mom. I mean, um, and I know we've talked about first mom, but that's not what I called her. I mean, you know, um, and she was, you know, my mom. So, um, but even at, at that, I, we still, we struggled even in reunion. I mean, I faced mm-hmm. rejection within reunion, and I don't know if anyone listening will understands that or has felt that but i faced rejection within my own reunion because mm. and maybe will understand that fight or flight within that time frame because i had a 25 year reunion before she died of breast cancer and i have two sisters um on my maternal side and i'm there was so much stress in that 25 years with her because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know who my birth father was. So there was all of this um, upheaval, I guess that's the word to call. I don't even know what you call it. Mm-hmm. So there was constant um, reevaluation going on. Where did I stand within it? And I think that's probably, I'm going to guess other people feel that too. Where where did I go? And I'll tell you where I went. I did the flight. Mm. So and sometimes there was the fight. Mm-hmm. And I think if it weren't for my two sisters, it would have been the flight and that would have been it. And I would have right. cut it off. And sometimes I think I need to write this down. I need to write a book because I don't there's no manual that tells us as adoptees what are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? Who are we supposed to talk to about this? I mean, right. there were many nights where, you know, you sit there and go, oh, my gosh, what am I supposed I mean, I was in tears. And mm. you're talking to, you know, a, a girlfriend, you know, your best friend, and they're looking at you like, have you lost your mind? Because right. they don't understand. You know, they have no clue what is going on because they don't understand it. Right. And right. So difficult. Yeah. I mean And we have lost our minds. I mean that's Yeah, we thing. have we have actually. Yeah. <laughs> we have lost I mean our that's mind. what I finally realized is that I kept I mean I, I've waited my whole life to feel normal. And uh-huh. I'm starting to feel so happy because I'm real I'm thinking that this is it. Like I'm uh-huh. never gonna be more well adjusted than this. And right. I'm 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 going to – this me being me is a huge job. And, yes. I mean, I've joked about this before, but it's not really a joke. I mean, I do think adoptees should get paychecks just oh, for sure. being adopted. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and I think that if I just – if I explain it matter-of-factly to my friends, which I do now, I don't apologize for myself, right? I just say I do this because I'm adopted and this is why. And then right. they, they know, right? And I, I, 
and you're, I think you should write a book. And I think what I've, what I've noticed with adopted people and why it took me 30 years to be able to write my own book was because I kept trying to explain what was in my head. But you can't really do that because um, your head's a crazy place. And it's, right. it's looking for answers that don't exist. Right. That mm. why why didn't she keep me or and they well they exist but you you don't have access to them um, or, or control or right and so what I, what I found is you know, so if you were going to write a book about it what I would coach you to do is to write about what you did get in your body and write about what did what do you physically do when you meet your birth mother, but there's problems, right? It's not what was in your head. You write a little bit of what was in your head, right? But right. you go to Krispy Kreme and eat six donuts, right? That's right. And, and I think as adoptees, we often spend so much time in our heads because we're trying mm-hmm. to gain control of our narrative that, you know, then we, we, we act in crazy ways in our life because we're so busy listening to our head. So I'm trying to switch channels. I'm trying to switch to my body instead of my head because my head gives me misinformation. My head tells me I'm not wanted. My head tells me I'm in trouble. But if I can be in my car driving to work and listening to music and think, and think, okay, I'm in my car, I'm driving to work, I'm listening to music instead of, oh, gosh, right. <laughs> something bad's going to happen. Like and right. but I like that I like that feeling. I'm used to the panicky feeling because that's been the feeling of my life. And so actually feeling good doesn't necessarily feel that great. It makes me anxious, right? Because yeah. it's, a, it's like being my birth father. It's a new feeling. It doesn't fit in with my concept of who I am. So this is why I've started focusing on goals because I, I have to stop paying attention to the craziness in my brain. Um, because I don't want to die like this. You know, I don't want to die spinning my wheels. Um, just well, because and the adoptees, when they go to search, I mean, the searching right. feeling is panicky feeling. That's a horrible right. feeling. Yeah. Right. And, and they hoard your courting situation. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so many adoptees, you know, I'll coach them to search. And they'll search for a little bit and they'll stop. And they'll search again and they'll stop because it's such a panicky feeling. Um, right. And well, they don't well, want to get so they don't want to get close because it's scary. Right. And you know, I, and I say, you know, listen, time is not on our side, you guys. Time is not on our side, especially when you're getting close to you know um, my age, which <clears throat> fifty. But um, you know, well, I'm fifty two, so. You're my little sister. (laughs) Right. And, you know, um, our birth parents are aging. So the Mm -hmm. likelihood of us finding birth parents alive, you know, gets less and less the older we get, obviously. So, and they say to me, I know, I know, but they're still afraid, you know, and it's so scary for them. And I get it. Yep. So um, it's, it's. Scary all the way around. But and that's a good place to um, if you if you can put blinders on, and 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 really I I think you know as adoptees we're we're trained 
to, to think more about what other people think than ourselves because as kids, there's a general anxiety that if we don't please people, they're going to give us back. And so we don't pay attention to how we feel. And I think my new favorite trick is to pretend, is to just close my eyes. And, and when I close my eyes, nobody else exists in the world but me. And, and I'm actually not alone because if I'm, if I listen really carefully, I, I'm split in half. I'm two people. I'm the little kid that was um, relinquished, and I'm the adult me. And the little kid that got relinquished is asks me for help all the time. And I just, I, I quiet it, right? I tell it I'm going to, you know, if I have suicidal ideations, the little, the little guy thinks I'm going to kill it, right? It's not, like, it's not, I haven't had a great relationship with that little kid in me. And right. if I would, I would rather, I would rather cultivate that relationship than any relationship in the outside world, because you, you, you can't, you just, I mean, what we learned early, early on is that we can't depend on people, but the irony is if you were adopted by people like I was, who actually took care of you, you can depend on people. It's just that my brain doesn't know it. So I have, right. I have to prove to myself that I'm safe and I think that for for an adoptee it's 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 too much to do that out in the world a lot of the times because there's too many variables but what if you you just treat yourself really well right and you listen to the little yeah I'm all over the place I got excited (laughs) well it's hard it's hard to treat yourself well though I mean that's one thing as adoptees don't do we don't do Can that. Can you tell me about that? Like how, so when was the last time you didn't treat yourself well? Well, I think that any time that, well, I'm trying to think. Um, I think when, especially when birthdays or holidays, and for me that that comes together because mm. my birthday is a week before Christmas. So mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really want to treat myself well, which I know I know I've seen that mm. pattern with many adoptees, especially adoptees who have birthdays near holidays. I see that all what, the time. What, what, what would happen? I would rather it happen? just happen. I don't. I yeah. just don't want my birthday to happen. I would just rather people. Yeah. And it's kind of twofold because I don't really want it to be forgotten. Right. <laughs> sorry, I got to throat. <laughs> oh, sorry. But I don't. But I don't want it to be forgotten. But I do, and especially right. this year. And I'm fifty, and it's like, oh man. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. which I'm pretty sure my mom is not listening to this show. But instead <sighs> of my mom staying in town, my mom headed back to Texas, and didn't stay for Thanksgiving uh, or Christmas or my birthday. Yeah. And she left. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Hurt isn't even the word. Hurt right. is not even the word. And see, so I've cool struggled with that. You, but the cool mm-hmm. thing is if you put on blinders and you don't think about hurt mm-hmm. needs and you just think about helping the little kid in you, you tell your mom, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? That really hurt. I need you to come back. Well, I think you adop- know, we've... adoptees just want people to know. Right, you know, right. Right. Well, and, you know, 
we've we've all talked about this, and my mom is aging too, so we think part of it is that. And right. you know, it's this. There comes this time in your life where you go, my my mom is aging. Is is it that, or is it, you know, because, but the years before that, she wasn't aging. Yeah. It was that right. she wanted to go back, and there were there were parties back where, um, they live in like this retirement village, and you know, you think, really, you know. But see, adoptees give off really confusing messages because I found, I do this all the time. It's like I act like I'm okay, and uh-huh. then people do things uh-huh. like that, and I get really hurt. But and uh-huh. the hardest part for me, I mean, I've been, you know, doing this crazy meme thing where I just keep putting memes out there. And it's everyone mm-hmm. hurts me a little bit because what I'm saying is, like, help, right? Like, yeah. I'm in pain and help instead of just smiling and hoping that they'll get it. Now I just feel like, you know what? If I yeah. could swear right now, I'd swear, but I won't. But like, I'm just going to ask. I don't care. Like, I... I uh, like what? What if you said to your mom, you know, this really? At least oh, I did. She left. Well, good. Well, that's good. Oh, I actually did. And, and did it. her response was, her response was, yeah. well, if I thought she were going to be alone, mm. I'd be worried. But I know you've got people right. around, so I'm not worried. Right. Right. That has nothing to do with it. You right. are my mom. Right. It's my birthday. It's Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. Your grandchildren are here. Your great grandchildren are here. Right. You should be. And she's probably around. thinking you're an you're an adult, so you have your. You're own an adult. And... Get over it. Yeah. So then you tell but her. But what I'm they not have to do with this? Nothing. <laughs> no, but I think this is where this is where education comes in, right? It's like sure. huh? I may look like an adult to you, right? But. But I, I have special needs. And I do. Yeah, right. I mean, I told my dad. I told my dad. I, I, you know, my dad's similar to your to your mom in some ways. And at one point, I said, Dad. He said, What do you need? And I said, Dad, I just need you to call me for a week every day, and tell me everything's going to be okay. And he didn't. And then later, like a year later, he asked me, like, why I didn't call or something, and. I said, well, Dad, you know, he said, why do you act like everything's okay and it's not? And I said, well, Dad, because when I asked, when I told you it wasn't and I asked you, um, you didn't follow through. And then he had this terrible look on his face, you know, and he said, I I guess I forgot. But the lesson I learned was, okay, you can't count on your dad. And so then I had to find someone else. And that fairy tale you know, of me having a parent who's going to actually take care of me. I, I don't chase it anymore. It's like, it's heartbreaking, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking that you don't get a mom who's going to stay, but the fact is you don't. Right. Right. So how right. can you, how can you take care of yourself in a right. way, you know, like tell her, okay, you're leaving, but can you give me $200 so I can go buy myself something? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, and you know, here's, Here's the hard part, and here's the, and, you know, I guess, and I'm I'm giving constant examples of myself, but I've got to think that there's got to be other people out there that this reaches in a similar way, I would hope, that, you know, they go back and, and um, her husband has uh, two sons, 
and they talk about, oh, well, we're going to buy the boys, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, she's like, well, we're not going to buy Christmas presents. Well, we're not going to buy this. I just can't. And I'm like, what? You just talked about fixing the dog's cataracts for $3,000. What? Right. Yeah, do you know, it. Listen. I think I, I think to have these to make these tantrums public, I just think now it's fun being adopted because now I don't try to hide it anymore, and it's just kind of funny oh, right? to be like this a pissed yeah. five-year-old. Like, are you well, flipping kidding me? Right. And you know what? The thing is, this is n- none of this is about attention. None of it is about not getting a Christmas present. None of it is about... Right, right. None of it is about any of that. What this is about is you you getting to say how you really feel and not mm-hmm. trying to shove it under anymore. Because right, right. We've always again and not and feeling I, ashamed and not feeling right, terrible exactly. that you do it. Exactly. Like high-fiving and, yourself for being yeah. Ready. Right, and I mean, that, that everybody else has always. Everybody else has always been able to say how they feel about, you know, things. And adoptees don't have to be the good adoptee all the time. No, No. or ever, really. Right, yeah, ever. And um, (laughs) in my family, you know, I grew up with an adopted brother who was dyslexic, hyperactive, um, our entire house. And don't get me wrong, I I loved my brother, but our house was right. centered around him. Um, right. We couldn't have chocolate. We couldn't have sugar. We couldn't. I mean, he didn't know. He didn't know any different. I mean, he had no right. clue that the house was around. I didn't even really know. I didn't even realize mm-hmm. that until way later. Um, you know, and I didn't go. Well, we can't have chocolate because of you. I mean, I never punished him because of it. Um, right. But. Um, our whole our whole household was like that, so right. um, you know I was I was the good adoptee, I was the one right. who had to make up and not not cause you know a ruckus or you know because when they brought him home, um, he was already six weeks old because he was born premature. Um, you know, everything was in uproar by the time he got there. And mm-hmm. so, and that was the way it was for the rest of his living life. He died in a car accident right. at the age of 18. Wow. Yeah. So from the time he came home to that. So, um, yeah. So, um, but see, wouldn't it be more fun? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out like how to make my life more fun because like, the yeah. depressed part it just got kind of old. And if I don't care how people react, like if I just assume if I'm not, cause I think what kept me quiet for so long was the fear that I would ask for what I wanted and then not get it. Right. And, and so now I, what, I have to have a plan to get it myself. Right. Or, or to keep asking other people. Cause if I just ask once and someone doesn't give me something and then I crumple, that that's not gonna that's not gonna be really helpful. But somehow everything just became funnier to me when I realized my well being and my self sense of self isn't at stake if I ask you to do something and you don't do it. I can kinda just like flip you the bird nicely and 
and walk off and like, okay, well, you know, like, do you, do you ever read those those Ramona right. the Pest books? Like, I want to be like Pippi Longstocking or Ramona the Pest, where I'm just thinking about, you know, not in the, like, not in the, yeah. like, I still want to do good in the world and I still want to help people, but I also right. want to be that scrappy little kid that we didn't really get to be because we were so busy trying to stay alive. Being yeah, so I want the second half of my life. Well, okay, I'm 52, so, I mean, maybe maybe I have a year or, you know, 50. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you, how do you, how do you see um, you and your dad from here forward? Like, do you think, I mean, do you, do you see yeah. you and he communicating more or? It's a, it's a great question and, and it's, it's a, it, it is a, a minefield because, so he wrote, um, textbooks. He's a college professor, and he, um, I, I have one of his textbooks now, and I, and I keep it on my bed. I mean, I, I'm, I, so it's there, and that means something. And I, I, I have flashes of wishing he was in my life, but I have to be. Byron Katie wrote this book, "Loving What Is," and I'm really working on that because I don't want to wreck the days that I have by wishing they were different. And so I could sit there and look at the textbook and wish I could call him or wish that we could have coffee or, or that I could even call him my father in public. But, but so I just have to be really mindful. It's work, right. To, to keep myself content with what is I did write to him just the other day. And I asked if he and his wife would want to come to California in February and meet my daughter. And I knew I was setting myself up for rejection. Um, and I also knew I was pressing things because it's a little early to write and try to include his wife. But I also thought, you know what? The little kid in me really wants to talk to him. So I'm going to honor that little kid and write to him. And and I can I can console that little kid that's in me if he says no right I can tell that little kid okay well how do you, how does it make you feel and just sit with the feelings and it's not going to kill me I just have the have to have the courage to have to be able to withstand um what, what feels like rejection and realize that it's just a feeling it's it's not actually um it, it it's it's okay um so in, in my mind, I'll never see him again um, because it's easier to think that way. Um, right. And the the support that I've gotten from his brother and his brothers, my cousin in particular, I mean, they write and they check in on me. That is phenomenal. Like, really? I, yeah. I had, I had this incredible moment where my cousin um, – sent me a picture he had gone on Facebook and he found a picture of me when I was young and he and he, he said I hope you don't think I'm a, a stalker and you know I think it's awesome that he's looking at pictures of me on Facebook right yeah and he yeah. said but you look you look an awful lot like my daughter here and I I mean, I'd met his daughter his his daughters and his son right and it, it hadn't sunk in that they were blood relatives Right, and the thought that I was related by blood to his daughter takes that I'm still processing that it, right I, I, that yeah, so well, you put him at arm's I mean, length 
as you've not let it sink yeah, in yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole thing about reunion, it's not like it happens and then it's, it's like it's going to take me the rest of my adult life just to let that in. <laughs> well, so, yeah, because, well, because you're still afraid because, you know, I mean, you know. Well, and I just don't know this. I don't know. Right. This. I know what it means to look like at my daughter, but I don't. I don't know those feelings. And so that's part of the molecular rearranging in my body. And, and that takes mm. time. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, these people who meet large extended families in both birth, both birth parents at the same time. I mean, honestly, I think my body would just start smoking and then blow up. <laughs> 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 I mean, a little bit goes a long way. I, it's true. It's and, true. And I think that for you not having met either one, the the longing is is it's a big deal because yeah. it's it's the not knowing that keeps the brain spinning right it's like mm-hmm. the what if the what if the what if mm-hmm. and that's I, we need to have like Kaiser needs to have programs you know they have anxiety programs they need to have programs for people who have not met their biological parents because we need to address what that does to the body and the mind and and how best to to cope with that because for you to have to do it on your own is it's it's insane. It took two people to make you. How is it that you're going to deal with that all by yourself? It's it's unreasonable. Well, sometimes when when I've been with my aunt and she'll say, you know, I can see like I can see your dad's eyes. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I did meet my my mom. I I I have mm-hmm. met my my biological right, right, mom and right. and and having been with her there you know there are characteristics that i have of her very so much like her and those things were definitely ingrained in me that mm-hmm. were definitely in your dna because i can remember doing things and i think that i did before i even knew her that she could have like imprinted them on me you know like having Mm. been around her so i'm thinking Mm. no one can say that your dna you know isn't already in you you know that you because i behaved like her and she couldn't have it couldn't have been like oh you've been around her for five years and you pick that up no it was just being around her just for a few months and yeah. you know talking like her and um walking like her and and motions and you know talking to you know when i talked to Rhonda you know Churchill last week you yeah. have you have weird you know body movements and yeah. you know even your speech and your brain holds all of that and right we don't even realize it because we can't see ourselves doing those things and right. So when people say to me, well, you were just a baby when you were taken, you can't right. know that. You can't tell me that you, you know, you miss, you know, your mother. That is the biggest line of malarkey I've ever heard in my life. We right. do miss right. mothers and you are doing harm. And, you know, why, why wouldn't we have trauma from that? I don't, that, right. I don't understand. People don't get that. Um, right. Of course, we're going to spend the rest of our lives longing for something um, and suffer trauma. 
I mean, I don't understand why, as I always say, regular humans don't get that, you know. Um, Well, I think to so many of them it seems like a cool thing. Like they would love to have to be told that they don't, quote, unquote, belong to their parents because they long for that freedom to be themselves. But what they don't understand is it's really hard to be yourself when you first don't know who you are. Right, Um, right. And so they, I think they see it as a kind of a freedom. And also they think it's just transplanting a plant, that you're just moving, you can move a plant from one bucket to the other. But what they're missing is you rip the roots off. Right. So if you plant a plant but you leave the roots in one other container, the plant's not going to do that great. Um, I don't know how many times I've gotten, if I don't know how many times someone has said to me, I wish I was adopted, and I thought, oh, right, I can right, just right, knock right. you one right now. Well, then, but they don't yeah, like, get well, the severity of it. Let me rip off your legs. Like, okay, you can uh-huh. be adopted, but give me your leg. Give me your legs, and mm-hmm. then and then have a good life. <laughs> right. Well, and you and I both have experienced people saying that our children must be adopted. So you and I right. both have gone through right. that kind of. <laughs> and we're both like, right. what? Yeah. Yeah. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. But you, and... know, you know what's funny is that because that, for me that taps into the, the, the my brain mindset, oh, of course, of course I'm not worthy of having anything that's mine. And it, it makes me feel like a martyr kind of. But now I just fight back, right? And now it's like, no, I have the right to have a kid and like, – and so you need to maybe shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but not say it in a mean way, so I'm not the angry. I'm like the angry adoptee that's laughing. But yeah. I'm still, like the, the laughing part helps the anger part. Because yeah. Because then people, people they're, they're not afraid. Well, they're not totally afraid of me. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, don't get near her. She's scary. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> She spits when she talks. <laughs> she's she's scary. She spits. <laughs> but really, yeah, you get I mean, a bunch of adoptees in the room, and they're funny people. I mean, there's yes. pain, but there's like so much love, and and I think that the more, I mean, what's exciting about the baby boomer generation is that they're really starting to speak out, and what the world will see is that like having a bunch of adopted people speak openly will be like will be like being at a comedy store. Because it's flipping funny. It's dark, right? But it's it's real, and 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 really, what everyone will see is that adoption. So many people will feel like adoptees feel because adoption adoption is just about not feeling connected or 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 feeling um, lost. And who who doesn't feel like that? Well, it's a, it's a right. very exciting time to be adopted. Look at what you're doing. I mean, well, yeah. you know, um, I think the conference to the one, the one we had, and the one we're going oh, to have. Oh, it changed that, my life. The one that you brought me to last year. You told me it oh, would, and then it did. I, I think, I think there's so, so many not. Not just our conference. I mean, of course, I think mine's the best. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm it's just a kidding. wonderful but, conference. But I think, I think that, I mean, obviously there there are more than just mine. But I think that's the whole point of it. I mean, there are, there are other good ones. Um, 
And I think... Yeah, but let's just talk about yours right now. Because okay, let's just talk about mine. <laughs> let's just yeah. talk about mine. Yeah, um, yeah. But ours, uh, the one we had and the one we're going to have, um, the bonding that goes on and what yeah. with our records opening, that I think that is the most single thing I will be proud of in in my lifetime. Um, you know, I, obviously I did not do it myself. There were a million people that helped. Um, I had, um, especially I had two, two people that were, you know, my sidekicks in this. Um, but, um, you know, doing so will change over you know, 200 and at least probably 50,000 or at least 200,000 people's lives in Indiana mm-hmm. be more. Um, but that that is huge. And um, we also found out that there were 25,000 um, Native American adoptees, too. We didn't even know that. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so we are going to also... Um, do a special um, Indiana workshop that will help Indiana adoptees and Native American adoptees fill out their paperwork, mm-hmm. which I know that kind oh. of singles out, wow. um, you know, a, a special class of adoptees right in there, you know, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. during that time. But we kind of have to do that because of our records opening. But, um the rest of it, we're going to show uh, the Good Adoptee Play. We're going to have a male oh, adoptee. Oh, you know, I work. saw that for the first time last week. It was so good. Oh, that's good. I'm just so excited. And we're going to show yeah. um, Open Secret, which that oh. is going to be amazing. Um, oh. That I've seen that. Honestly, it just, like, it literally is, it's so good. It is just so good. So there's just is so open much secret, stuff. Is Open Secret, is that Brian? No, no, no. That's Steve Lichtig. He works um, for, I think he still works for NPR, but it is, it's a documentary. It's about his story. Um, oh, literally okay. Every, okay. okay. Everybody in the town knew that he was adopted except for him. <gasps> okay. Can yes. I, is it available for me to watch? Uh, yeah, but I want okay. you to save it. Get here. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, it's really good. It's so good. It's okay. just, I mean, it's so good. And when uh, when he got up and talked about it, um, yeah. when when I first, you know, you know, was introduced to the movie, and he talks about, it and he's like, I really didn't know I was adopted until Pam said I was adopted. <laughs> I'm like, what? But it's <sighs> a familial adoption, is what it is. And oh. um, yeah, it's 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 honestly, it's it's so good. But anyway, um. <laughs> We are going to have so many workshops. So there's going to be six on Friday, six on Saturday, yeah. the good adoptee on Friday. But I am so glad you came on today, and I'm so proud oh, of you. Oh, thank you, Pam. Getting to see your dad, and I hope yeah. that you get to do more things with him and that you just, you know, listen, you're you're still you, whether yeah. – he decides to do more or not. You are still the yeah, magnificent you. Him just showing up once, it, that was so hugely repairing. I, I am so happy. 
Well, I hope he does more. Yeah. Um. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for coming on, and I we should do more. Uh, we need you. to do more of these. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, you guys. I would love that. Everybody go to indianaadoptionetwork.org. You can find out more about the conference. We're finishing up our proposals. Everything's going to be in the hopper, and registration will start in January. It's going to be at the Crown Plaza in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's Racing to Records, and Indiana's records open in July, you guys, so we're getting excited. Um, Thanks again for coming on. I am so happy you were here with me today. It made Tuesday so much better, and um, (laughs) coming on. Um, until next time, you guys, um, blue skies and green lights. And um, next, all right, thanks for being on. Mm, big hug. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.